This is Johnny Reps, your host of the Strength for All podcast, episode 59 with Ben Cure Fitness. Today, we talk about are there any universals in fitness, training, and life? We are a couple gym bros. We talk about some creatine. We talk about why Ben hates soup and a little bit about personal trainers hiring their own personal trainer. If you like the podcast, leave us a positive review on your platform of listening. Let's go. Lately on like Tuesdays and Thursdays, because I'm doing just like cardio in the early morning, I usually go straight into a breakfast and I don't like to have it then because I'm having a lot of meat and things like that. So then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, yeah, I just drink at midday with, with nothing. I feel okay. That can be your, our first topic of conversation. Let's talk about creatine. Um, okay. Ben, I'm not even going to intro you, Ben, because Ben, everybody knows who Ben is. If you don't, <laughs> it doesn't, you don't matter. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. We'll actually, we'll actually intro you later on, but let's let's talk about creatine. What's what are your thoughts? What's your experience? Um, have, obviously, you're, you take creatine currently, but uh, t- let's talk a little bit about creatine. Yeah, um, I mean, if you go back, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say when I was probably 13 or 14 years old, I thought it was like a steroid or something like that, because that's what everybody, you know, all the moms are pushing. Like, you you could not get creatine. You know, you shouldn't take that. It's gonna something cause heart heart failure. Uh, so it took me until probably second year of college to do my own research and start taking it regularly. Um, and I, I've been pretty consistent with it, I think, ever since. Um, there's been a few seasons where things have dropped off, but I've been taking creatine for a long time now. So you wouldn't even know, you've been taking creatine so long, you wouldn't even know if there was any difference between taking it and not taking it? I, I don't, yeah, because it's, I just feel like it's in my system like so much. I, I know I always get the five grams, and sometimes I just do a little bit more if I feel like just mentally like, Hey, I just want to top off my stores. Mm. Um, but yeah, five grams a day, pretty consistent. And it gives me something. If I get a flavored one, it gives me another drink to drink. That's not just plain water. Um, you know, you can pick up a great flavored creatine and it, it gives you something else with a meal. It's, you know, flavored drink. See, my experience with creatine is a little bit different. I, I remember when I started, uh, Take when I started like actually looking at like nutrition and stuff because when I was in high school I like worked out and stuff but I was completely stupid I was like if I just work out hard enough I don't got to worry about eating anything related to nutrition I I can eat <laughs> literally whatever I want and I'll be fine <laughs> right yep. um but that was obviously not true so when I started getting actually I was probably like around the age of like I don't know eighteen nineteen and I actually started getting like serious about uh, learning about nutrition. And I, I got like, I, I went on like on this cut and I got this supplement from Walmart because I was just reading like online. It's like, oh, you should get creatine and whey protein. And I've literally never heard of creatine before. So I got this supplement at Walmart that was actually like, this thing had like a ton of calories. It was like fruit punch flavored and it was like 130 calories a scoop. And it was not like just creatine. It was a bunch of yeah. other stuff. It must have been like a post-workout or something. I'm not really sure exactly what it I don't remember exactly what it was. But then further down the line, I actually read about like I, I was reading something that's like, oh, creatine actually doesn't have any calories. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This thing has a ton of calories. And I I actually read the label and I was like, it only had like three grams of creatine in it. And then I was like, this thing has no creatine. Look at all these calories. And then I bought like pure regular creatine later after I realized what it was. So I never really knew about the stigma about creatine until like after that where people were like oh creatine creatine's a steroid or creatine is you know mom's being like creatine's gonna kill your kidneys or some bs like that it's gonna make you bald yep 
Yeah, and like you see that a lot too, or at least I think we used to see it a lot more the microdosing, like under five grams, or you get like two grams of something and a lot of sugars, but it was like you were drinking Kool Aid or something, you know? Exactly. Something else like that, yeah. It tasted like Kool Aid. <laughs> yep. Dude, like, yeah, I don't. Do you, do you know where that comes from? Like the th- the idea that uh, creatine makes you bald. I've I've only recently started to see those comments come up on some of my own posts, and I've been trying to figure because I just see it on a lot of blog posts with no no resources, no studies to back it up. So no, what what have you seen? Well, first of all, Ben, we got to ask, how's your hairline doing? <laughs> now let we can't blame that on creatine. Like I'll get the family photos out. There's some genetics there that are working against me. So uh, I'm not not a good case study here. <laughs> Well, whatever. A lot of guys start uh, start thinning out as we get into our 30s. Uh, but I, I, I've been on and off taking creatine like forever, and most of it is just because I forget, and then I'm like, well, it's been three years, whatever. <laughs> it's, um, I haven't yeah. taken creatine in three years all of a sudden. Um, but no, really, so actually the idea that creatine makes you go bald, I found this out because uh, I was reading uh, some PubMed stuff about creatine, and there was one literature review that was talking about creatine in youth athletes, and they mentioned that um, that idea that creatine makes you go bald was all taken from one study in, rug- I believe it was collegiate rugby players, where they had them tr- do creatine for, I think it was four weeks. It was like only four weeks. And during that time span, they noticed an increase in one hormone that's related with hair loss. And because that study had never, they've never found any findings similar in any other study. Um, It was only a four week study and it was only in male rugby players in college. So it's like everything about creatine creating baldness came from that. Like it's, it's like, and they didn't even, yeah. So there was no measurement of hair loss. It was just an increase in a hormone that could cause hair loss, right? Correct. And not even could cause. It's one that was correlated wow. with hair loss. It's not even conclusive if that hormone even has a relation to hair loss. <laughs> that's a jump. Yeah, that's sad. I'll have to get that. That's a big jump. I should. Fi- so I actually made a video on that. I mentioned it in this video I made um, a couple uh, weeks ago. Or, or no, it was last week. I actually just made a video about creatine last week where I talked about it. It's the one that, uh, okay, yeah. it's the one where I'm like, uh, everybody says, you know, that, that, that meme that's been going around that everybody's like, my TikTok videos are too, too, too long. So I made them shorter and then it just cuts off. So I'm like, everybody yep. said my TikTok videos are too long. So I'm going to make this one as long as possible and talk about creatine. <laughs> nice. Nice. And it didn't do no, that I'd great. Into that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's TikTok for you. You never know. So what you else is there? Blows up. So what else is there to talk about creatine? creatine um i the the biggest thing there is like not jumping to conclusions as far as taking it yes the benefits but i'm i always try to be honest with people and say like first we need to address your sleep your food intake you know there's your training schedule so it's not like one of those things you have to take um i would encourage you to once you get all other things in line and if you have the budget for it because i love it I've noticed a difference of with it with my clients. I'm not taking myself off of it anytime soon to feel the difference as far as negative impacts. But um, I have noticed, especially with recently three of my female clients, it was like two or three weeks after consistently taking it. They were getting that extra two or three reps or maybe going up to five pounds on all lifts. It wasn't like this secret 
you know, steroid type reaction, um, but it was just giving them the ability to work a little bit longer or harder, which pushed them to the next level. So I, I love it. I will always suggest it. How much of that do you think might be placebo effect, though? It's like you got your trainer, you got this strapping young lad named Ben Cure who's telling you exactly what he, he's telling you what you got to do. He looks like he's pretty strong. Um, you're taking this new supplement that's it's, it's supposed to help you get stronger. How much of that do you think is like them just being more confident and going for it? It's so interesting that you asked that because I I, re, I went over one of your other podcasts in the last week. I think it was with Brian uh, Fitz, uh, Fitzsimmons. Oh, Fitz, yeah, yeah. yeah Fitz, man. Do you know him? And um, not not well. We just just through social media and just chatting back and forth. Okay. But you guys went over something in that as well. I forget if it was like talking about a fat burner or something, and just the like you said, placebo effect. Because we could also say I, I've seen ch- uh, clients get new running shoes or new gym shoes, and all of a sudden they just feel confident in the gym. And because of that, they're pushing themselves. So on creatine, I do wonder. I, I wonder how much of it could be a placebo effect of just getting them to push themselves more now that they've made an investment. Yeah. The same thing with fat burners. Like you and I know fat burners don't do much, but I think it gets people to dial in a little bit more once they drop thirty nine ninety nine on a product. Yeah, yeah, and I, I've seen it with like so many different things that I've you done in my uh, you know gym training career, like. Example is like when I first started using a lifting belt, I went from squatting like 245 for sets of five to squatting like 295 for sets of five in the span of like a <laughs> month or two. And I'm like, was all of that the belt or was it just the confidence that wearing the belt really gave me? Got, yeah, that's a huge jump. So I mean, I'm not going to judge you because I'm not there, but I, I would guess there's 20 pounds that were hidden there that you could have pushed yourself on. Probably. for No, for sure. And I, I think about that every time I do anything, like anytime I see – like any sort of increase in my for myself and my clients, I think about like, well, how much of this is placebo effect and how, how much of this is just me like, you know, being more confident in, in whatever it is just because of this new, new change. How much of this is like the effect of novelty on in your training? Because we know like if every time you do a training program, it gets less effective if you repeat the same thing next time. Um, I, I know Greg Knuckles has talked about this quite a bit where he was saying like, if you do a training program like more than twice, it's probably not going to be effective by the third time you do it. And I think this is where a lot of people – and I was stuck in this for a long time, you know, like the infinite, like novice between you're like infinitely between like a novice and an intermediate because you feel like you should have more time in your novice phase, but you just keep like repeating the same thing. Like you, you, you go from squat, like squatting, like two two twenty five to like two fifty five, like between there for like three years. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That was, yeah, that was, oh man, at least four or five years of like my early PT career like all the numbers were in the same like 30 pound phase just it kind of just depended what time of the year it was yeah would dictate like was it lifting heavier on the heavier side or on the lighter side of that window yeah but the placebo effect that's an interesting one um because i also wonder that with client psychology as well um as far as what's a good example like having people track their calories i'm tr- i'm trying to narrow this down here so we have a good eye good wording on this Sure. Take your time. But let's say somebody really thinks that they eat 1,200 calories or they come to you and they're saying that they eat the 1,000 calories and they can't lose any weight. And suddenly you let them go into a reverse diet and you're giving them 1,400 calories a day. And the impact of that is giving them 1,400 calories all throughout the week is keeping them from binging on the weekend, which they weren't telling you from or telling you about. And so really it's just getting them right back to where they were. But it's like if you didn't take that path, and allow for that flexibility, they would continue to make that mistake and you would never know about it. So I kind of think it's the same thing with creatine, giving them that leeway of, hey, maybe this isn't like 
it's not going to give you 20 pounds of muscle overnight, but if you give it to them and it gives them some confidence to push themselves forward, it's worth it. It's like a client psychology game and you may never get to have that conversation with them to find out if they were lying to you or if they really were just naive about it. Mm -hmm. But by giving them that out or that flexibility can help push them to the next level. I'm all for it. I hear if that makes sense. No, no, I hear exactly what you're saying. And, you know, specifically talking about, like, I don't think we should be recommending stuff based uh, simply on the placebo effect, but stuff like creatine has, like, pretty good yeah. amount of data to show that it, it works. Like, there's a lot of things that people will promote because I've, I've even seen this in, in comments and actually by some people who, who think they should be taken seriously – and some, in some cases are that like, well, it doesn't really matter if it actually has been shown to be clinically effective. As long as it gives someone results, we should promote it. Or as long as I've seen it work for my clients, we should promote it. And I think that's really a, a tough line to walk because I really try so hard to not promote stuff that I only have anecdotal evidence for or that I like know the actual like scientific data says the opposite of this. Right. No, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, but like, especially if you can identify something else that would help that individual. You know, it's one thing whenever you're on TikTok or Instagram and you may end up you may end up speaking to five people at see your post or five hundred thousand. You never know. Um, but whenever it's your individual client and you can look at the benefits of helping that client get more water and sleep or giving them creatine, like the water and sleep may go further for that person. So recommend that. Yeah. You know, both have great data to back them up, creatine, water and sleep but figure out which one is going to impact that individual and go with that first. I think this is a good direction to take this conversation, like universal like recommendations versus like individualization of what's going to actually help the client. Right. Because I mm -hmm. see all the time, you know, and sometimes I think of this question, I'm like, well, what is more important? Like, is it more important to like lift weights or is it more important to do cardio or is it more important to have a higher protein intake or is it more important to have a higher fiber intake or is it more important to drink more water or is it more important to spend that time? You know, there's so many different is X more important okay. than Y. And it's like, it so depends because if I have someone who's, you know, they're eat, already eating like one gram per pound of body weight and protein, but they're only getting like 15 grams of fiber a day. Like for that person, I think they would probably get better results focusing on eating more fiber than increasing their protein intake further. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, and again, like, like you said, you just got to look at the individual, see what they've gone through and what is going to help them over that next week. Like what's the next sustainable step? That's usually what I'm looking for whenever I do my check-ins. It's like, okay, if we've mastered everything we're currently dealing with, what is the smallest, easiest, next, you know, attainable thing that we can focus on? And it's funny that you mentioned fiber because I look at that a lot mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times people will adjust their calories, get that on track. And then you start looking at it. And it's like, well, we got five grams of fiber today. <laughs> like we may need to adjust that. Yeah, exactly. And I think another thing with this is a lot of times it's it's not really, there's so many foods that have fiber that are kind of like, they are indicative of other dietary trends. Like if someone's not eating a lot of fiber, it's usually indicative that they are not eating a lot of fruit or vegetables in their diet. And if someone is not eating a lot of fruit and vegetables in their diet, it's indicative that they're probably missing a lot of nutrients that they probably need and this can trigger like other things downstream like it can trigger more hunger it can trigger more uh binging it can just trigger you to just be less pleasant overall so i think there's like mm -hmm. is it is it like the fiber alone we we know the benefits of fiber are very important but it's not just that it's that it affects a lot of other things simultaneously absolutely yeah and the big one you touched on there as far as hunger that's one of the things i almost always notice if i can get fiber and protein in check for most of my clients 
all of a sudden that, you know, their constant note of, Hey, at eight o'clock at night, I get really hungry or 3 PM. I feel like I have to have an afternoon snack. And, you know, I may be telling them that we're focusing on fiber for fiber, but behind the scenes, I know we're doing it to help them feel more full, get those vegetables in more volume, you know, through their, through their meals. Um, but yeah, it's never just that surface level thing that we tell them to work on. Are there any like universals that are important for everybody when it comes to, to fitness? Boy, are there any universals? You know, I almost said like, right, real quick, I almost answered like sleep. But I know there are some people that function okay on less sleep compared to others. But even those people, I wonder what they would feel like after 30 days of getting seven to nine hours of sleep, you know, as, as usually recommended. Right. Um, that's the first one I was going to jump to. What, man, does anything else come to mind? Like, Well, I was thinking just like eating and, and the thing about this is it, it is this is also kind of dependent, but just eating like an appropriate level of calories for whatever your goal is or your body weight. And what, but what that looks like for each person is going to be highly variable. Like if someone for, if you're like, you know, six foot t- tall or like six, you're five eleven, you're Ben, you're five eleven and you're two twenty, yeah. and you're bulking. That's going to look very different from someone who's like five, three and like one fifty and cutting. Mm hmm. Yeah, then, yeah, there would never be like a universal across those two. So like, you could never throw out a, a social media post like we see so often that says you should, and then it puts very specific labels. It's one thing to say we should be getting enough sleep, but then to give like specific numbers of grams of protein or X amount of you know fiber, yeah, it, it's tough to throw specific numbers out there whenever you're speaking to a group. I think there's good like benchmarks for protein, like there's ranges that it's like. But at the same time, also, then I'm always I'm always like playing devil's advocate against my own points that one gram <laughs> per pound of body weight is like kind of like the the good like general number for protein because it's easy to remember. It's like it's doable for most for a lot of people. But again, is it like if I have someone who's 400 pounds and they're trying to lose 200 pounds and get down to 200, like I'm not gonna have that person eat 400 grams of fucking protein 400. a day. That's ridiculous, <laughs> right? So, that would hurt. Yeah, like, I don't think, I remember when I was on my insane, like, phase of, like, bro dieting where everything had to be, like, chicken breast and vegetables, I think the most protein I ever consistently ate was, like, 275 grams a day. Whoa, I don't think I've ever gone over 220, like, personally, 220, 230. And that was brutal, because I was, like, like, literally my breakfast was, like, egg whites, I was eating, like, egg whites, fruit, uh, turkey breast, chicken breast, uh, tuna, like, fish, like 95% lean ground beef, nothing else, like nothing, like very, almost no like carbohydrates from bread or anything like that. It was very unsustainable. I did it, only did it for about three months, but, uh, and even for most people that probably wouldn't, it would last nowhere near that long. I'm just an idiot. Uh, once I stick my mind to something, but like, I, it, I, I couldn't even imagine trying to eat 400 grams of protein a day. It's just insane. No, that's, and that's why you can't say it's a universal number. Like I know the one gram per pound of body weight or lean mass, but even then, like you said, you get somebody that's three or 400 pounds. They're trying to lose weight and turn things around in that situation. That's where I just remind them like, Hey, you're an individual. We're going to need to track for a week or two and let's see first what you're taking in. And if it's a female, you might find they're eating 70, 80 grams of protein. Well, jumping them even to 120 is going to be overwhelming. Instead take the five or 10 gram jump week by week, let your body adjust to that, see how you feel each week. But I do, I do five and 10 gram windows if we need to and climb it up to an appropriate level. 
um, rather than jump them to something that just is so far out of the range of what they've been able to handle currently. That's a great point also. And I like, even if it's, if it's not somebody who has to lose a bunch of weight, if it's someone who you have them track what they've been eating and their protein is like, they're like, okay, you're 150 pounds, but you're eating 70 grams of protein a day. You're like way off where we want you to be. If I can get that person from 70 to 100 consistently, that is a massive win. I'm, and, and, and I just see in, in terms of practicality and, even, and personal experience, like expecting those people to jump up drastically very quickly is almost never going to happen. I think that I, I generally use a percentage thing. I'll say, let's, let's track your protein for a week, figure out the average and then a, a 10 to 20% increase next week. So if you average 70 grams this week, let's increase it by seven to 14 grams next week. That's smart. No, I like that. Yeah. That's, yeah. And that's very yeah. doable too. Cause then you can look at that with them or you can have them say, Hey, look at some of the products or, you know, meats that you're buying and look at the back of a lunch meat package. If that's your thing. Okay, six slices is 12 grams of protein. Now you can match an item to that amount of grams and they know an easy way they can knock it out every single day, whether it's lunch meat, a half a yogurt, half cottage cheese. You, know, you can attach that seven or 14 grams to an item they already enjoy and it becomes a lot more sustainable. Right. But then in addition to that, I also like to kind of give them like, a substitution, like say like, cause if they just add that on top of what you're currently eating, you're like, okay, well that's an extra, whatever, hundred and something, 200 calories. I would be like, okay, here's how you would like su increase your, ca your protein intake by 14 grams while also keeping your calories the same. So an example would be like, you know, if, if you do what you just said with the lunch meat, like say an extra, I don't know, six slices of turkey breast and then, but is like, I don't know, maybe 120 calories or something. Yeah. I would say, okay, and then to, to uh, change that, like your two slices of bread, you're eating these two slices of bread that are 110 calories each. You instead, replace it with like your, your rye bread. This, I have this light rye bread that's only 60 calories each. That saves you 100 calories. And then replace your mayonnaise with like honey mustard or something. That, has, that saves mm -hmm. you 120, 130 calories right there. Yep. Yeah. Yet, yeah. Main, maintains the calories, but just replacing with protein. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Making substitutes. But I, I can't really think of like, again, it's like, People, most people could do better with more sleep. Um, but even that is relative because, like, if someone's already sleeping, like, 10 hours a day, maybe it's not the sleep uh, quantity. It's the possibly the quality of their sleep. And then there's other conversations to be had there. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Diet intake, like, late at night, whatever, you know, drinking, whatever it may be. Like, there's a lot of things that could be hurting that 10 hours of quality sleep they think they're getting. And really, they're getting five. And then the person that's getting six hours of sleep is actually thriving in comparison to them. Yeah, because they're getting like six hours of like solid sleep at the same time every night. Mm -hmm. Now, what about like weight training? Like, is there any like universal there? I think for me, it's like the universal is like you should be weight training. Like everybody, should sh everybody yeah. should be weight training. But like, is there a universal dose of weight training? Yeah, because uh, yeah, because you should be. Oh, man. It's like finding your markers. I would say. Now you got me thinking about these universal rules. I would say <laughs> finding, right. yeah, it would have to come down to like each individual lift, making sure your form is sharp and coming within two to three reps of failure. That'd be like the first thing I could think of as far as a universal truth. But again, what's your training style? You know, what are you actually aiming for? I guess I could probably knock that one out. But I think most people like, let's just take a squat, for example, you need to figure out what you can go for 10 reps on with safe form and then figure out what your weight could be that pushes you within two reps of failure. Because I find a lot of people lift 
with this five and 10 reps left over as far as their energy or strength Mm -hmm. and they're not pushing themselves. But again, like I just, that's not even like a universal truth because if you're 93 and you're just getting started, maybe you need to go with really lightweight and light reps or Mm. like high reps, lightweight. Well, see, I I think there's a couple of, a lot of things to say about what you just said there. But I, one of the things is I I find it so variable because some people like particular for stuff like the squat, most of the time, if someone comes to me and starts uh, asking me for programming on that type of thing, oftentimes I see like, in some instances, you're right, like people just aren't training hard enough. But I see like way too often that people are just like, they're not, you know, they're doing like three reps and then four reps, it's like the squat gets a little higher and then rep five, it gets higher and then rep six. And by the time they get to rep 10, it's like you did 10 reps and your effort level was not that high and your range of motion got progressively worse on each rep. So it's like for that person, which is actually an astoundingly common example, they need like a, a, a quite a different and actually probably more complex answer than someone who's like, you're just not trying hard enough or you're just not pushing hard enough. You got to, you got to put a little more weight on the bar kid. Yep. No, I could agree with that. Yeah. And then that's, yeah, then that's where you don't have to do an individual assessment. And then maybe you would, you would knock off 40 pounds in the squat and have them focus on tempo or just just that range of motion the entire time and figure out what can they keep as far as weight and that deep range of motion. And it may be a lot lighter. I'd be like, it's time to put you on starting strength. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I actually have it right here. Nice. <laughs> I literally have the book right here. I was just looking I think at I've it. got it. I've got it on this laptop. I think like a black and white copy, like on this huge PDF. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. But I like, I think a universal for strength training is be, it should be like you should lift weights a minimum of two times a week. I think that would be a, yeah. a good universal. But but then even then, like I, I like uh, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. He's like, hey, if you go from working out zero times a week to working out once a week consistently, even that is like a, a big jump and or a big benefit. So it's like there's, I think here here's something else I, I, I heard. I believe this was from Barbell Medicine. They go, how much should you be working out? It's like probably more than you currently are. I like that. Yep. answer. <laughs> that's the good answer. That's a good, that's a solid way to look at it because too, like you don't want to baby someone so much that you say, Hey, every week is going to be different, you know, and you're going to have to pace it. Yes, that's true. But if every week is different and you're pacing yourself slower than you should be for the, you know, for the last five years, like it's, there's a point where you got to be truthful with yourself too, and know that maybe you just need to make more sacrifices. And like you just said, be more active than you currently are. Do you think it's like a question of intensity though? Cause I think it's a question of consistency because if I look at it like this is if I had a client that was just consistent going to the gym every week, and even if they only added one pound to their bench press every week, by the end of the year, that's 50 fucking pounds on your bench press. That's more than most people are going to add to their bench press in a year. So like yep. I, I legitimately, I don't really think I've ever had an issue with clients who are consistent that they're not progressing fast enough. The problem is with people who are inconsistent, who are trying to progress too fast to where their Mm -hmm. technique doesn't uh stay good enough or where they're just not working out like it's like okay you missed three weeks but now you're expecting to squat the same amount or you're expected to just like jump you know sometimes they don't even expect to like okay you're you're you had three weeks of programming that build on top of each week they expect to jump right to week four from week one to week four it's like you were squatting like 120 week one you're squatting 150 week four and you missed three weeks of training that's a horrible idea to just jump right to the 150. It just like right. I find that being a much a much more common problem, just personally from working with people than um, 
people who are not especially like once I get them in an actual program that's they're being consistent with I found that to be a much larger problem than people who just aren't progressing fast enough does that does that make sense no I agree that consistent person I almost think of them as like a silent warrior they're just kind of grinding out maybe doing three workouts a week and you don't hear much from them but man if you can be consistent three workouts a week for the next six months you're going to make so much more progress than the person that you think is an athlete that's going in for one month, very, very consistent. And then they disappear because of work trips or beach trips, whatever it may be. I'd rather have you be consistent for six months than give it everything you've got for 30 days. 100%. How about you? Like, do you program uh, as many as possible rep sets often? Like literally like uh, AMRAP type stuff, like max maxing out? Yeah, so well, what I'll, I'll do like what you said if you want to try your 10 rep max, but often because I, I, I will often – I found this uh, – I got this from uh, Kaizen Training, which is like uh, – was back in the day. I don't know if you remember Bart Kwan and Omar Isuf and uh, that – what was that guy's name? Mike something uh, and some other guys. Uh but essentially, it was like do an AMRAP set, but do do it at the end of like your strength training set. So, for example, if I got like three by five on squats, then do my a fourth set, but on that set, go for as many as possible, right? So for clients, I don't usually program that unless I, I still have some in-person clients. Um, if I'm right there beside them, I do because I can help them kind of pace what that weight should be and mm-hmm. keep them pushing themselves safely. Um, but usually, whenever it's off hands, online clients. I can't remember the last time, if ever, I've given somebody a set like that. Yeah. I do AMRAPs all the time. <laughs> well, not all the yeah. time, but I do them like – I might like end a training phase with like an AMRAP because I'm like, I want to see how much you can do this for to really like push yourself. Like even maybe not to failure, but maybe to like an RPE like 9.5 where like the next rep would be failure. Yeah. No, I think it's a really good idea, especially – um, just in you saying that, like I can identify two or three people that are kind of more competitive that are my clients that would probably benefit from that. Dude, That's a good I, idea. I saw Alan Thrall do a video on this a while. A long, this was a, an old video of his, but he was talking about how he's like, I would do like f- three by five on deadlifts, and then the last set I would do an AMRAP, and sometimes I would take those sets like very seriously, where I would legitimately like hit something for like twenty reps. I would hit like something, and then I and then it would help me realize that like. And I find that this is very like mentally stimulating to the clients is that like, hey, if I can deadlift this with weight that I was doing for fives, if I actually really push myself really hard at the end of my workout, I can actually hit like 20 reps on it. I can be lifting heavier. Like it just pushes their confidence forward to let them know that, you know, hey, I can be putting more weight on the bar and that's okay. And I usually tell people that I'm like, you know. If you can hit if we're doing like strength work, like five by five or whatever, or for three by five and you can, and I have you do an, as many as possible, like an AMRAP, and you get like over 10 reps, we can definitely add weight to the bar. Like no problem. Mm-hmm. If, if you're getting 10 reps on your last set after you've already done your volume work, like we can add weight. To, and I, I just find that that helps build people's confidence for those people who are not uh, maybe ready to, or feel like they're confident enough to push harder. Yeah. No, that's a good idea. I mean, I, I kind of done that for myself, like with bench press, like every once in a while, I'll just go back to like a 135 and just see like, am I in a 20 rep range, a 30 <laughs> rep range or beyond? But it also, it, it does. It kind of lets me know like, Hey, you can flip that switch. Like you, you know, that you're higher weights, you could be getting eight to 10 reps, you know, whenever you throw on more plates or whatever it may be. And I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So what else universal? You got to train harder. We should come up with like a universal rules of training. Number one is you probably, you have to sleep more. <laughs> you probably need to sleep more than you currently are. Number two mm-hmm. is you need to eat an appropriate level of calories, but that's not like, 
I would say, like, in terms of calories, it's like people just need to know more about what they're actually eating. Yeah, I agree. Because I think if you, well, as far as no more, are you saying the content, like the the actual what I, uh, nutrient, like profile of the foods? I because think, if you do correct that, if you know it and you take action on it, then I bet you most of us would fall closer to what our needed calories are just I, naturally. I, I think it's knowing more about that, but also knowing more about like what a portion size actually is mm-hmm. and knowing more about what is like reading your ingredient, your, not just the ingredient labels, but the serving sizes, knowing more about like how much protein is in each food you're eating, how much protein, how much carbs, how much fat, knowing more about like restaurant food because people go like they'll literally go on on my they'll go out and get a a burger from you know red robin that's like the most ridiculous like triple bacon cheeseburger with uh x quadruple slices of cheese and mushrooms and bacon and deep fried in oil with like onion rings on top and a massive literally called a heart attack yeah it's literally like a thousand calories and then they'll just or more a lot sometimes and then they'll just type in my fitness pal like cheeseburger 240 Mm -hmm. calories and that's what they'll log and it's like it's literally six times that much (laughs) like yep and even well, that's what something I was going over last week with like several of my clients in our check-ins. Like even in like a food tracking app like MyFitnessPal, it's a great tool. But who's to say the chef that day at Red Robin? Like yes, the burgers maybe they come in frozen, they're the same size. But what about the oils they're getting involved in? Like oils, nine calories per gram. The the oils with the French fries, like that can vary so much. Uh, compared to what you've got in your food tracking app. And if if it's just two or three items one way or the other, each one of those items are 20 calories, that's a 60 to 120 calorie window where you're inaccurate across one meal. And maybe you go out to eat Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Now, if it's 120 calories, you're talking, what, 360 calories off compared to what you thought you were eating. Yeah, And that's just across your three days. So, yeah, I think knowing the power behind your foods is what I usually kind of harp on with my clients of what the ratios are of carbs, fats, and proteins in that whole meal, better understanding that and how it functions. So, do you know when, when people ask me, they're like, some people ask me, like, what, they're like, what restaurant should I go out to eat? Like, what's the best restaurant to go out to eat at when you're tracking your food? And, I, and you know what I say? I go for it. I cannot imagine. McDonald's. Okay, yeah. And the reason being is because McDonald, you can be damn sure that McDonald's is not giving you any more food than more. you pay for because <laughs> yeah. they McDonald's is very very strict with their their amount they're going to give you because they want to make as much money as possible. Absolutely, <laughs> for giving you as little food as possible. So I'm like, I think McDonald's portion sizes are very very accurate. Like every time you go to a McDonald's, you get the exact same thing no matter what location you are at. It is stamped, looks the same. Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably accurate with that. Probably the cheaper, the more accurate it is. And it's precise. So I'm like, if you want to go to McDonald's, or, or if you, sorry, if you want to be as accurate as possible with your calorie tracking when you're going out to eat, only go to like the biggest chain restaurants. Yeah. And and also like yeah. even speaking from personal experience, like I have uh, some friends who own restaurants, and they said like in in order to get your you know nutritional information. Uh, published on your menu, like you have to go through like a pretty strict procedure of like submitting your foods to like labs and stuff like this. So they like analyze the content of, of everything and make sure it's actually like accurate versus like, and if you're a larger chain, I guess it's probably more strict and there's more uh, oversight on that type of thing. So, versus like if you're just like a local shop and it's like, 
yeah, sure. You're that, that's why I find it. I find it funny when it's like people are like, oh, you eat food at McDonald's. You don't know what's in there. And I'm like, no, you know exactly what's in there. They got to tell everybody every single thing that is in there. It, you actually don't know what you're getting when you go to the local place. <laughs> that, that's when yeah. you, that's when you don't the single like mom and pop shop. That's where you really don't know what you're getting. Exactly. Yeah. Cause even like right now, like inflation and stuff like that, you could be getting a different size of protein than what they stamped on their website two years ago. Like mm-hmm. you, you aren't going to know that or getting more fats or more carbs, depending how they load up that plate. You know, like Burger King took two chicken nuggets out of its 10 piece and made it an eight piece. And that was like national news. <laughs> it's like the, I, the local mom and pop shop. It's like if they just change whatever, no one's going to know. Nobody's going to know. Yeah. And you're still tracking the same thing because you've been going there for years. Yeah. That's so, a good point on the McDonald's. Yeah. Just tell them to go on the McDonald's diet. Be like, all right, you know what their calories are. Just take the whole menu, you know, <laughs> do that. Find it out. You'll be very hungry by 4 p.m., but, yeah, it'll work for you. Probably. Probably. Get the salad. Right. So, Ben, I have a very important question I have to ask you. Oh, boy. You don't like soup. No. Do not like soup. That's not the... hate. It's a hate. Wow. It is such a waste, such a waste of space. It is, it, it's horrible. Like everything about it is just horrible. Like everything I associate soup with is like a negative thing. Like the you know, soup Nazi head. from Seinfeld? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no soup for you. Yeah. yeah, it's like. The primordial not, soup in which we all came from. I mean, nothing was alive back then. It must have been hell. That's bad too. Well, yeah, you know, but to me, it's just like it, why it's more about like why would you choose to eat that whenever we have all of these other foods that we could be eating i can always anytime somebody serves food uh soup like i can look and within 20 feet of me i can find another food i'd rather be eating like it's just it is a waste of space in my opinion it's not a nutrition thing i know you can make nutrient dense soups it is like i'm not i'm not like this isn't isn't to offend anybody but i'm not in a poor stage of life financially i'm not dying i'm not bedridden i haven't had an oral surgery why would i eat soup like ever <laughs> like i don't know I should, what, what did you wait. did you did you get like did you get like beat up by a soup when you were a kid <laughs> or was it like your oh. your neighbor whose dad like was the soup nazi like gave you a wedgie when you were in 5th grade yeah <laughs> it you know, I haven't been able to recall that, but maybe I think it is more of I grew up in a family of six kids mm. and I don't like it wasn't like we had hard times or anything. But I do think my family served a lot of soups for several years before a meal to kind of like make things go a little bit further. And I remember that like all through like I would say like all through high school, and like maybe late even middle school, just so many soups every single supper and every single fall soups and chowders and it was just just huge waste i've I've not had soup i was trying to think of it the other day because somebody asked me i have no idea when was the last time i actually ate a soup about, i would imagine it was sometime in high school what about like pho have you ever had a, or pho however you're supposed to say it yeah i see those places popping up now uh it's getting more and more popular no i wouldn't waste my time on that <laughs> but like there, there, it's like there's so much meat and noodles in there there's a lot of it you might as well be getting a noodle bowl I've heard, and they, it's thicker. That's what people try to make the argument. Like, what about chili and you know clam chowders? No, they, you know if you bring me chili, it's like I can go find like steak. If you bring me chowder, I can go find seafood. Not bring even chili, foam. man. I, chili used to be a staple of my diet because I'm like, you got all your you got your fiber in the beans, and you got all your beans have the protein too. And then if you use lean beef, you got a lot of protein in there. Chili used to oh, be a staple loaded. of my diet. 
it's loaded. I would just rather have chicken and then beans on the side and, you know, throw in like a green vegetable. You're you're really like encouraging me that I want my next challenge to be the, the, the soup diet because I – not the cabbage soup diet, but like the soup diet where it's like all I'm going to eat for a month is like different types of soups. Oh, man, that sounds horrible. I would lose so much weight, not because I was following it, but I just wouldn't eat it. <laughs> you just wouldn't eat it. You'd be like, I'm just gonna literally starve like, yourself oh. for a month. You'd lose like 60 pounds. <laughs> dude oh man i i i think come on there's got there's got to be some type of soup so you're telling me never once in your life have you had a soup that you found that you were just like this mm, this is good food it's like every single time it's like not nah. it's not that it's been bad like um for example i know i took a bite out of um or whatever a spoon whatever you call serving a soup <laughs> you don't even um, know what it's called a, yeah like a lobster bisque or something like that in the last three or four years. And I thought, well, that tastes good. But whenever I look at it and I say, okay, that's $16.99 on a menu and I can order 24 wings. Like it's just an easy decision for me. So no, I'm sure people out there, that's what they always try to argue with me. Like, well, you've never had my mom's whatever soup. I don't care about your mom's soup. Like I can find something better (laughs) any day, anytime. And that's what I plan to do. I think we're getting we're getting close to the root of the problem, Ben. Let's dig a little bit deeper. Was your dad was your dad a soup salesman? Was your stepdad a soup salesman? No, not boy, not that I know of. We have to make some phone calls now. All right, man. I, my my goal. I'm gonna mail you some soups. I'm gonna I'm gonna mail. You, <laughs> that wouldn't work. It'd be horrible coming through the mail. That's gonna be so expensive. From from so, Toronto. I'm gonna mail them in from Toronto. <laughs> You're gonna get them tomorrow. Overnight shipping. <laughs> dude, dude, but okay. So, do you, do you, do you, do you in like impart this this anti soup logic onto your clients? I don't force it on them. I just love to know where I stand if they ask. So I'm assuming, I never. I know some people couldn't benefit from soups, but yeah. Have Have you ever had a client like ask you like Ben? I want like like you know how sometimes a client will ask you for recipes. Will they be like Ben? What's your best soup recipe? <laughs> I so that's the thing. So there's a me and another trainer occasionally will put together like recipe packs and things like that. And I will occasionally give out a soup recipe just to provide some variety. So you're a fraud, chili. is what you're telling me. Well, no, I, I'm providing other people flexibility that I don't want to have. Fair. <laughs> so they, they can have that freedom. It's there for them. I'd rather have my restrictive non soup diet. <laughs> That's where you draw the line. That's the one restriction. Yeah. You're like chicken wings, beer, pizza, sweet tea, sweet tea, fine. Cr- uh, you know, fruit punch, dog food, no soup. But that soup, yeah, no way. It's it's off. All right. Do you have any final words on soup? Um, I I, I will give no words or effort towards any soup comments moving <laughs> forward. You you can you can use some profanity if you want. Yeah, I'm I'm good. Like soup, soup knows how I feel. I'm I'm good. Like we've we've been apart for a long time. Like she understands. We've gone our different ways. Soup knows how you feel. All right. Well, if I see soup, I'll let her know. Yep. Thanks. Ben, I have uh, we're we're in the Q and A section of uh, of the podcast at this point. I ask this question to most guests that I have on my podcast. I know you have a podcast. I don't know if you have standard questions that you ask them. And every time I bring up this question, I always joke that I should. I'd have to go back to over 50 podcasts at this point and put together like a board of everybody's answers. But 
what is your best squat, bench, deadlift, and overhead press? And then what is your, or how do you feel like you stack up compared to the other people who've been on the show? Ooh, man. I So I'm very hard on myself as far as competitive lifts. Like I always feel like I'm the weakest in my whatever, my age or my weight, whatever it may be. But I'm very proud of myself this year because I stuck to my programming and pushed myself back up to the top numbers I've been at. So my bench press came in at 305 and it was pretty smooth. No L, you know, no pain, none of the pains I had last time. Um, that was a couple of years ago whenever I was pushing close to three. So 305 bench. Squat kind of surprised me. I thought I would have what did I do? Oh man, that's not good. I know deadlift, uh, three sixty. See, I'm terrible at knowing my numbers. I've got all my client numbers, dude. I thought so I thought I literally is, saw you deadlift over four hundred the other day, like 415. on TikTok. Four fifteen. You're right. Four fifteen. Right. I saw a video of you. I, you're like, I, I literally saw a video of you deadlifting more than the other day. Yeah. I never really took like I should take more pride in those numbers, but I think because I always felt like my numbers were so low, I never really recalled them. But I've got them all in a notebook out in my car. But 415 deadlift, you're right, and that was with no belt. Um, and I feel like if I could get the belt and feel more comfortable with it, maybe 430, 435. Wait, do you have a so, belt? I don't. So see, the, the belt added like 50 pounds to my squat, so you'll get like yeah. 70 pounds on your deadlift with that belt. <laughs> I might get a 500 pound deadlift like overnight by next week. <laughs> yeah, 305 bench 415 deadlift overhead press i know i never did a one rep max but i got 135 for five recently okay felt pretty good um for the squat man i think it was three i know i just missed 400 because i tried 405 and fell mm -hmm. so i think it was a 385 i didn't gauge my warm-up right because i really think i probably had 390 395 but 385 was my squat recently okay as far as how I stack up out of your 50 guests, uh, I hope I'm in the top 20. <laughs> you might be. I'm not sure if I've had 50 guests on because I there's had to, there, I have had some repeat guests and I also have had uh, some episodes without guests. Um, and I also have had some episodes where I forgot to ask them. So I think you're you're probably some safely probably you're not not too bad because I I would say I had uh, Zach Myers on my podcast who has the world record in the raw total in his weight class at, at the 275 weight class, his squat is like 800 and something pounds. Oh so my like, goodness. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not yeah. stacking up to him, but in terms of like, uh, I think you're pretty good. I would say you're in the top quarter. Let's go with that. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's good. I can take pride in that. Yeah. My goal is always keep my bench above three. I would like to get a safe 400 squat and I would eventually like to pull 500 deadlifts. Like that was my end goal going into this. So that'll be the goal if I go back into more of a powerlifting phase towards the end of the year. Nice. So what are you doing now? Bo uh, like bodybuilding, CrossFit? So yeah, not CrossFit. <laughs> I, I went to an open CrossFit, like a open house CrossFit workout two years ago. And I almost died. Like I got in there, we went straight to handstand pushups and yeah, I'm not going to be doing that anytime <laughs> soon. My split right now, I kind of made it fit our move. We're moving across town. So I knew I wanted to just have upper lower days. That way it didn't matter if I missed two days, I needed two rest days. Just the next time I went into train, I was either hitting upper body or lower body and knowing I was getting that rest. So I'm going to stick with an upper lower split for at least two months and then reevaluate once we make this move. Have you ever hired like your own coach to train you? I never have. have I you never ever... have. And I've been thinking about it. Okay. So you have thought about it. Why, why have you not yet? 
one, I would almost say it's almost like pride. Like I know I can schedule my own workouts. I do typically purchase or consult other people I look up to. Like I don't usually make entirely my own program. I do take ideas from other people. Um, I'm trying to think of like, if you know, um, Jeff Nippard, isn't he can- yeah, I know Canadian? Jeff. Yeah. Uh, like Jeff Nippard. I don't know if he is Canadian or not, but I, I, I know him. I know who he is. I like a lot of his programming. Um, some of the mind pump guys put out some good Jeff, stuff. Jeff Nippard. Think... Yes. Nippard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fun name. Um, I'm trying to think who else, but I'll look at their type of program and what they've put together and I'll make it fit more of my style of training, or maybe I'll pick up some muscle groups. I know I'm lacking like hamstrings and shoulders have been a big one for the last two years that I've put a little bit more emphasis, uh, emphasis on. So usually I will pull from other coaches or possibly purchase their program, but I've never hired like an in-person trainer. Gotcha. Well, what about like hiring like an online trainer? No, I've never, never, never done it, but, um, I've been considering it more and more now that I realize just how many of my peers, like people like you and then some other coaches that of course we both know, I didn't realize how many of them actually hired other coaches until recently. So it's been yeah. something I've been thinking about after this move. Yeah. I don't, I don't currently have a trainer, but I've had, uh, so I, I, I mentioned Kaizen. I used to be like in their group programming, um, because the way they do their, did their, this was like a couple of years ago, the way they did their group programming was you basically purchase like one of their workout templates and then you get it, you follow that and then you get into like their Facebook group and you post like form check on there. I thought that was a really great, like low, right. it was a great value. Cause it was only like, I think like 60 bucks a month or something like that. Oh, nice. um, and then, you know, plus the initial program, which was like somewhere around like 180 to hundred in that range. So I think it was a really, it was good value. And then also I had my own in-person trainer uh, for a bit. I, I hired uh, Nigel Morton who goes by the name of captain planet yeah, and he would. <laughs> yes, and he was. Uh, he's he's Canadian, and he was actually a pretty good. Uh, uh, he had some pretty good numbers in his in his lifts. He was. Uh, I think he had somewhere around like a 700 squat. He had like a uh, somewhere around there with a deadlift as well. Uh, and then uh, I know his bench was somewhere between four and five. So he was definitely a definitely a strong guy that it was worth. Uh, uh, yeah. Very. And I think I got like I actually hired him as my trainer like as soon as I got into being a trainer. Cause I was like, I want to learn more about being a better trainer. So I'm going to hire a trainer for myself. What, what this would be a, a good, like final topic we kind of touch on is what do you think is important when it comes to like looking for a trainer? Cause for me, when I looked for, when I was starting out, I basically just, uh, found saw someone who was who was uh said they were taking clients and i was like this guy's really strong he's taking clients i want to be really strong and i also want to get clients <laughs> so let's do this it must be right yeah yeah <laughs> it so one thing like for sure whenever you're hiring a trainer and i always encourage i'm actually shocked how many people i'll get on the phone with and those be like yeah let's go and i'm like well do you want to know about where i came from or anything <laughs> like what i know and they're just ready to go. And I'm okay with that because I feel safe and secure, like in what I actually know and that I can help them. But um, I would say for sure, whenever you're hiring your trainer, like ask all the questions you want about their background, their education, a college degree is not everything. Um, but at least that, that would be the biggest marker is that they are learned constantly learning. One of the best trainers I've ever known, worked with, um, and we're still friends. He's here in the area, but we just don't work together. I swear the guy, except for whenever he was training with somebody, he always had a book open on kinesiology, whatever it may be, just study of human movement, you know, just tons of studying. And it's somebody that's always learning. And I would also say it's one of the biggest mistakes I've probably made in my career was 
focusing on like corporate gym business and taking time out from learning. Mm -hmm. Um, So find somebody that is still a student of everything. This is health, fitness, client psychology, because it's constantly changing and your trainer needs to be able to keep up with those changes. How how do Um, they tell that as like a, like how does someone tell that like based on what they see in, in the online space? Good question. <laughs> I, well, I think for us, it's like probably easier to analyze that if you like you're like working with the trainer or you like see the trainer uh, or you follow them closely. Because I just t- I only tend to follow people who I like think are at least at the basic level, like not putting out information, but like preferably are at least like putting out decent information. And then like on the high level, like I'm actually learning a lot from them. Right. Uh but for me, like when I, when I see people, if I were to look for a trainer, I think one, or if I would to also like recommend clients look for a trainer, I would honestly recommend that they like, you know, shop around and like, look at what the options mm-hmm. are. Like, don't just, if you have someone who offers a free consultation, like try a couple different consultations or, you know, look, read like everybody, what, what their website says and like, look at their social media contents and like, look at what they put out there and see like who kind of like jives with you the best. So I think, I think like shopping around is something that a lot of people probably don't do that they should. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and like, you just kind of touched on it there. It's a good point is like looking at what they go in depth on. And if there's nothing that they ever go in depth on, it's not to criticize because there's seasons of life where you just can't crank out 30 articles and, you know, do studies on creatine and stuff like that. But if, you know, that, that trainer will probably have some articles on their website, blog posts, podcasts, going in depth on something that they are passionate about. And if that mixes with what your goal is, if it's a weight loss coach, reverse dieting, competition coach, then that would be a good sign that that could be a great trainer for you. But then, yes, like you said, you got to match personality because like I've worked with people where I would just wonder if they hated me and I hated them sometimes. (laughs) And then there's other ones. It's like, you're not going to be friends necessarily, but it does need to be somebody that's supporting you. Like the coach isn't your enemy at all. Like that person needs to be somebody that you trust. Uh, you can trust with a lot of details of your life and can support you. Yeah. So I think you touched on something really good. There was say, was saying like, if they never go in depth on anything, cause I think there's a lot of trainers out there on, on social media who put out like a great like image and they put out like really good looking pictures and even like good client transformations sometimes, and all this other stuff, but they never like really talk about anything deep in any way. Like all of their videos are just like memes or like, you know, comedy or like, here's a butt pump workout or something. It's very like shallow stuff that never goes any deeper. And I I don't know, to me, it's like, I would never hire anyone uh, like that as my trainer. And it's not necessarily because I would, I would think they were bad. It would just be because I don't really know like what their training philosophy actually is. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And I think I fell into that early on because I was, Oh, it's such a nightmare. If you scroll back in my social media, <laughs> um, I, anybody feel free. I'm not going to go back and delete it, but I got, uh, there's like an app called time hop that will take you back three and four years to see what you were posting. Mm-hmm. And I saw some of my original coaching posts were like, here's a, four move circuit that you can do for abs or whatever. And I remember thinking like, I'm going to post this because this is what I'm seeing the top posts being. This is what the trainers are doing, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then I would go train my in-person clients and I was a whole different person. And that's something I've slowly tried to sharpen up. Like, Hey, this needs to be the same across the board. You need to go in depth on certain things, quit throwing out easy templates and just, you know, surface level statements over and over again. 
I hear what you're saying. Yeah, but I also think, like, I, I still, like, occasionally I'll be like, here's exercises for X or whatever. Um, yeah. Because I think that... You sprinkle them in. Yeah, I think there's... But again, it's like, if, if all you see people doing is, like, stuff that's very surface level, it's, again, I don't... To me, I'm just like, I don't know what that person actually does, to be honest. Like, I, they're just putting out, like, stuff that is... Is that going to be with the workout program? And, and then I think another thing to also that I mention often is if people are making claims that are like very like what's the term I'm looking for very large claims based on very limited evidence they possibly are not the right trainer for you if you are someone who is actually looking to make progress <laughs> like for example mm-hmm. the keto diet is the perfect diet or like you are going to lose 50 pounds on my program in two months Mm, I don't know. (laughs) What are your thoughts? Doubtful. Yeah. (laughs) No, I agree with that. And it almost goes back to what we were talking about with creatine in the beginning. It's very easy for me. You've got to be careful because if you post, hey, take creatine because it's going to help you sleep better. But the steps to getting there is the fact that creatine is going to help you work out harder. And because you've worked out harder, you feel more exhausted. um, And then you sleep better because of that. Like those are very separated um, connections, let's say. So it's the same thing with weight loss. Sure. Maybe you have two, but I've had clients that lost over a hundred pounds. It doesn't mean I can say, Hey, I'm launching my weight loss program. Um, you know, over the course of the next year, you're going to lose a hundred pounds just like, and then throw up a client example. Like that's a very poor approach. Individual assessments are needed. And that's why I like to get on a call with people or really talk through what's going to be sustainable for them and what they've gone through. Mm-hmm. Uh, because these blanket statements of 20 pounds, 10 pounds, 50 pounds of weight loss, the, the person on the other side of that screen, you don't know how much weight they really need to lose. And for you to always promise that, uh, I just feel like that can be careless. And I'm sure I've fallen into it a few times, but I feel like it can be very careless. Yeah, I think another thing about this is I'm not saying I haven't done these things myself. <laughs> like yeah, legitimate, yeah. like legitimately, and I, I will do them again, probably on accident. Yeah, yeah, and and to be honest, like I, I was actually just thinking about it. I just pulled it up on my TikTok. Like this was in, uh, I think February. Yeah, February. I made this post where it, it was another one where it was just like a, I, it was the bo- post was too basic because I was just like. I was figuring, okay, well, whatever, I'm just going to make a post that's like, did you know lifting weights can increase your life expectancy by up to seven years, right? Because it's kind of true, right? It's, there's yeah. actually, like, research on this. And this guy I, I, this guy gave me a reply, and he goes, uh, ah, yet another episode of making unfounded claims by falsely interpreting already weak data in order to push my brand. And <laughs> that was his reply to it. And I thought about it, and I'm like he's kind of right. Like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I am making this like way too basic. And the reason why I was making the post was because I needed to make a TikTok post that day. And I thought this might do okay. <laughs> right. So, and yeah. so, so what I did was, is I, I made like, it actually took me like a week, but I made like a really uh, in-depth video about like the science of how weight training can increase your life expectancy and why and how and what different, uh, what different things do. Right. And, it got many more views, and the guy replied to it and said, uh, much respect, I'm following you now. This is exactly what I was trying to point out. So I got, like, a follower like who is, like, really connected now because I just did the right thing and was more in-depth, you know what I mean? And that's, that's what I think separates you from being, like, a good coach compared to average coaches like or, a, or us. Yeah. Like, an average coach might be like, you know, fuck this guy, block. <laughs> right, delete his comment. Yep. 
Yeah, because they just don't want to have that negative comment on there. But the truth is, it, and that's it's the battle of social media. Like we do need to, sometimes you're just busy in life. You need to put up an eight second video. Like I'm going to put up a video, I think later on today, it says 15 easy ways to improve your health. It's going to be like 10 seconds long. But if I don't ever follow up on those 15 things and say, look, here's why you should be getting seven to nine hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. It impacts and then go through that. Or, hey, here's why you should be eating a diet of nutrient dense foods. If I'm just giving out the list with no depth, I can Google 15 ways to improve my health, like with no research to back it up. Like as the trainer, we need to come back around and support that with the facts, the studies when possible. Um, And I think that's what separates us from average Joe trainer to somebody that actually cares and knows their field and is continuing to grow in it. Awesome. Well said, man. Before we go, I just want to ask, I ask most people this at the end, Ben, is there anything that you want the entire world to know? Uh, about me or about health and fitness anything man it could be about you it could be about health and fitness it could be about like oh actually the endangered zimbabwe orangutan is in danger and we need to save it (laughs) i don't know whatever that's very important too um i would say um if i want to put a message out there for just anybody i i really believe this that you this is a universal thing maybe you're against this we'll see (laughs) um you're going to have a hard time reaching your full potential if you're not in your healthiest version or fit. So think about that as if you're, if you're just wanting to be a really good dad or, you know, the healthy grandparent, the CEO, you know, run a company, whatever it may be for you to reach your full potential. I think you need to really focus on your health. And that's my goal in my business is to help people reach their full potential through fitness. So consider that as you make your decisions for the rest of this year, how you line things up take care of yourself, invest in yourself. Like you're worth it. And it's going to impact everything else you do. Awesome. Good one. That's, that's probably, that's definitely in the top 25% of there we go. <laughs> probably even top uh-huh. 10%. Ben, uh, do you have anything you want to plug or anything you want to, uh, uh, where can people find you? And then if you want to plug anything, go ahead. Um, people, yeah, you can find me on a podcast is the perfect fit podcast. It's with my other friend, Craig Richards, the perfect fit podcast. Um, for Instagram, it's Coach Cure. For TikTok, it's is it Coach Cure as well or Cure Fitness? My <laughs> you don't even know Cure... what your TikTok is. <laughs> let's let's open that up. What is it? Is uh, hold on. It is your your TikTok is Cure Fitness. Yeah. Cure Fitness. Yes. Because mm-hmm. yeah, Cure Fitness, Coach Cure on most social media. Facebook is Ben Cure. Jump into my free Facebook group. I uh, post a recipe every week, motivational stuff and challenges, but. Yeah, you you might be his 100,000th follower on TikTok by the time this thing exactly. comes out. I'm getting close. He's getting very getting close. close. <laughs> yeah. So awesome, Ben. Thanks so much for coming on. And I'll Thank put you. all that stuff that you just mentioned down in the show notes. So message it to me. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to everybody next time. Thanks again for tuning in to episode 59 of the Strength for All podcast. Make sure to check out all of Ben's and my links down in the description. We always appreciate your listenership. If you got something out of the podcast, you can share this with your friends. There is a share button no matter what podcasting platform you are listening on. You can also check out podcast clips and other stuff over on my YouTube page. And hey, it's May. I am looking to sign up a couple new clients for paid personal training online one-on-one. And I'm also looking for one free client. So if you're interested in that free slot, shoot me an email in my email down in the description. This is only going to be until the end of May that I'm running this. Anyway, thank you so much. I will see you guys all and girls very soon.